Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, you ready for some Penn State talk? Let's uh, let's dive into it, Jimmy. Let's talk Penn State today. And we're going to do it a little bit different today, Andy. We're kind of in that lull in the offseason. Not a lot of news. Uh, spring practice is over. We haven't gotten to the workouts yet and fall practice. So I thought we'd do something a little different. What we're going to do essentially is four quarters of Ask Andy, except three of the four quarters, all the questions are going to come from me. Just kind of a hodgepodge of questions, things on my mind, Andy, that I want to get your take on. So let's start with this. I think this is a fun question. Who who are you more excited to watch next season? Abdul Carter, great player on defense. Nick Singleton, great offensive player. Who excites you more? So, of course, right out of the gate, I think you start with the mean question. This is this is the mean <laughs> question. That's a it's a little bit, but I am going to answer it, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Abdul Carter, because I think what we saw last year was simply a flash, and part of this that is a credit to Nick Singleton. It's an impressive flash, right? That we saw a lot of Abdul Carter last year. What Nick Singleton did. That wasn't a flash. It was a complete revealing of the talent that he had and brought to the table immediately. So I think there are so many things you can do with Carter. I'm very excited to watch and see what Manny Diaz chooses to do with him and how he wants to employ him from game to game, opponent to opponent. Is it Irregardless of opponent, there's so much you can do with him. Carter is only a couple steps. It's a few, two, maybe three steps away from what I call Micah territory. And now there are a couple big steps. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing him to Micah Parsons, but he's in that territory. Let's just say he's in the same area code. There's still a couple big steps. He shows indicators that he should not have a lot of trouble clearing those steps or hurdles. And so for me, because it was a flash and Singleton's was more of a complete reveal, I'm drawn to the flash because I can see more of a complete reveal, uh, uh, a complete reveal for Abdul Carter this season. That's why I am picking Abdul Carter is the one that I am most excited to watch of the two. And you know what, Andy, you know how I love to disagree with you. Love it. Love to do it. This is the kind of question where I couldn't disagree with you whichever way your answer went. Right. Two just spectacular players. You know, you're right. It's an unfair question. So it is. It's let's, mean. Let's, well, I figured we'd start you off with that. Let's stay along the same theme of Nick Singleton with the next question. Katron Allen, Nick Singleton. Both had wonderful seasons last year. 
are they each going to rush for over a thousand yards this coming season? So when you ask about projections like that, Jimmy, you got to think, okay, so healthy and whole, obviously that's part of what you think. That's part of answering this, barring injuries, basically. And so you're saying, okay, so neither one is injured. They're healthy and whole the entire season. They did what they did last year. And yeah, my answer is no, I do not think they both rush for over 1,000 yards. My answer is no. A, I think, I don't think they have, they're not going to, they could get there, but I think they had a little better offensive line to start out last year as it was revealed. This one's got, is still a more work in progress. But my bigger factor for saying no is, I just don't think there are enough carries in the running game um, in the modern, you know, game, the way it's played now, I just don't think the running game gets enough carries to have two guys eclipse 1000 yards rushing. Now, having said that, do I think each could go over a thousand yards of total? That's 100%. I think that is a legitimate, real possibility and a go- it should be a goal for the offense to have each one of them eclipse a thousand yards at the playoff season of total yards. I think they will try to protect each of the guys, not overwork them. And I think that's why Trey Potts is here. So last season they had nowhere to go. Those two guys got carries late in games where if they had a third option like Trey Potts, that player would be in getting those carries. And I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, this season. So I agree with you again, Andrew P. All right, let's go a little bit outside the Penn State world, but just a little bit. Michigan and Ohio State, which one's the better team? <laughs> there are, that's loaded, Jimmy. Um, sure. I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going Michigan, right? Michigan's a better team right now. Who is the better team? Michigan. And it, it could be partly because they've won the Big Ten twice in a row. Yeah, Ohio State's more talent. Ohio State has more on-paper talent. But they can't, they can't cross that hurdle. They can't beat Michigan. They can't win the Big Ten title. And that's because of Michigan. So, And when they got into college football playoffs this year as a non- championship game contender, their defense let them down. And, okay, yeah, they were playing Georgia. All right, but and they were in the game. It was a spectacular football game, but they lost. So of the two teams, Michigan lost as well. Of the two teams right now, I'd have to say Michigan is the better football team. Not the more talented team, but they are the better football team right now. That's a tricky one. It, it is a tricky one, and there's a couple different ways you could go with this. I do think Ohio State has more talent than Michigan overall. Correct. But Michigan's got the experienced quarterback. They've got the better backfield. And they do. They've won the last two years, and this season, and again, this doesn't make them the better team, but probably more geared for success this season— the Ohio State-Michigan game is at Michigan this season. That tilts it also a little bit more in their favor. One Go thing ahead. I want to say, matchups matter too, right, Jimmy? 
Like I think of the two, those two teams, the the worst matchup, the more difficult matchup for Penn State is Michigan, right? Like that's just a that's just a bad matchup. Whereas on the flip side, I think the way Ohio State plays is actually a good matchup for Michigan. Like Michigan matches up well against Ohio State, like Penn State matches up well against Ohio State. I think Penn State actually matches up better against Ohio State than Michigan, but Michigan matches up well against them, and they just give Ohio State problems. So matchups matter, and I think I think Michigan matches up really well against Ohio State, whereas Michigan is a very difficult matchup for Penn State. I didn't see this, and maybe I'll look it up uh, between segments. Uh, there are certain games that they give a betting line on early, and I suspect they have for that game, and I need to look it up. I'll do that between segments. So it's up to you to remind me, Andy. Okay, let's segue to a completely different question. We both know Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz, I think are both doing great jobs as their respective coordinators on offense and defense. So here's my question. Of course, that makes them candidates for head coaching jobs. Next year at this time, so following uh, the season, how many of those coordinators will be back at Penn State? Two? Both of them? One of them? Or none of them? Wow. Uh, that is a, that's a tough crystal ball to see. Um, my instinct says one, and... I, I can't really tell you. I don't know which one it'll be, Jimmy. I mean, obviously, D- Manny Diaz, he, he, everyone knows he has head coaching experience. And, you know, he wants to give that another shot. That's that's natural, normal, and, and think. But is he going to get it? And is he going to get one at the level where just becoming a head coach wouldn't be – a lot of removal. I still think he has some reputation rebuilding to do. One season doesn't do it. I mean, he needs to do it again. And another, a program's got to feel really solid about how he's rebuilt a defense again to sort of give him another shot as a head coach because it just did not go well for him. Mike Yersich has, you know, no head coaching experience. Young guy, rising star. I don't think he's shined super brightly at Penn State yet to be there. So our team's looking at him as a head coach, maybe at the lower D1 level if he wants to do that. But I just, I'm going to say one, and I have no idea why, which one it'll be. And But I think the more likely one to be gone sooner than later, obviously, is Manny Diaz. I think you're right with that, but I think for Manny Diaz, the question of him leaving will be more about the opportunity. You know, it's, it's like remember Venables at Clemson, the defensive coordinator for years and years. He never left until it was Oklahoma as a head coaching job. I think Manny Diaz will be looking for the right opportunity because I have no doubt that the 23 Penn State defense will perform well. I also feel the same way about the 24 defense. So if he doesn't get the right opportunity after this season, I think he'll know that, hey, the opportunities will be there again in another year because he's going to have another good team. You know, and you can't overlook what 
James did in getting Manny Diaz back into coaching and to hiring. Like, he didn't have a relationship with him. Manny was most likely just going to take some time. He had enough money, had a big buyout. And James picked up the phone and had the, you know, the sort of the guts in a more PG-13 way to pick up the phone and just say, hey, I just want to give you a call and inquire what you're thinking. I mean, that was, look at, look at the, you know, sort of repercussions of James sort of stepping out there and what it's provided for Penn State in the last 15 months and now moving forward. I mean, you can't underestimate, you know, what James did for this defense and, and this team by making that phone call. Big deal to me. And, and Manny Diaz was smart enough to see the talent that was at Penn State and the opportunity that it would create for him. So smart move by uh, James Franklin, smart move by Manny Diaz. That is it, Andy, for quarter number one. We're going to keep going with the questions in quarter number two. Stick around. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andrew P. Shea. I'm Jim Galante. And we have a very special edition of our show today. We are asking Andrew P. questions from quarter one through quarter four. Quarter three will be your questions. Until then, well, Andy's going to have to deal with my questions. Before we get to the next question, Andy, I said I would look it up. What was the betting line, Ohio State, Michigan, coming up? Hopefully you didn't look it up yet. 
what's your guess on the uh, spread for Michigan, Ohio State at Michigan this year? The game is where? At Michigan. Ohio State, uh, one and a half point favorite. Very good. Ohio State's a one point favorite, and I I forget which which uh, right. uh, betting organization I saw that on. But anyway, interesting that Ohio State is actually a favorite at Michigan. And as I said, Michigan's won the last two, returns their quarterback, which Ohio State does not. Obviously, betters have confidence in the Buckeyes. Okay, Andy, let's get to our next question. Sure. Other than Michigan and Ohio State, who should Penn State be most concerned about on their schedule? Yeah, so ah, for me, it has to be, it's Iowa, right? So they held, Iowa's defense held, and every year is a new year, but Iowa's defense, they held nine opponents last year to 10 or fewer points, and they actually lost two games where the opposition scored 10 points in one and nine points in the other. They lost those games. So their offense is terrible. Penn State's defense is good. Penn State's defense offense has a lot of question marks. Iowa's defense, despite losing their top tackler and leader at linebacker, Campbell was drafted. They lost a stud at DN. They still have a lot of components going back. So why it's, you know, why it, why it's a game they should be concerned about? Because it's not going to be good on good, right? Like good on good, you want, you know, this is not going to be that. This is not going to be Ohio, uh, Iowa's strength is their offense. Penn State's strength is their defense. That's where the rubber's going to meet the road in this game. It's not good on good, so that's a sort of a tricky matchup, I think, for Penn State. And so Iowa is a game that I think could be, you know, is a sticky wicket game for me. How's that for my, using an Andy term, a sticky wicket? I look, looking at the schedule, there were only three games that I could find that could qualify as an issue. One was Iowa, which is at home. One is at Maryland, and one is at Michigan State. It never it, before the season. It's easy to say Maryland. Then when game time comes, never seems to be an issue. Michigan State, you just don't know what you're going to get. But whichever way it goes, by the end of the season, we'll know what Michigan State is. Right. So even though Iowa is at home. I, I do have a little bit of concern there also. So I, I do agree with you. Let's yep. move on to go ahead, right. Andy. I go was ahead. just going to say, remember last year we talked about Purdue was that game. I thought Purdue was going to be that game and you agreed. And it was, it, it was a, a difficult football game. Okay. Let's move on to our next question. I want to know Andy, who the leading receiver on this team is going to be. Keandre Lambert Smith, Dante Cephas, tight end Theo Johnson, or you got someone else in mind? Yeah, I think Penn State's offense being successful will be served best if Keandre Lambert-Smith is is their leading receiver. This one is pretty easy for me. He's the most dynamic talent they have on the roster. They have a, a ton of receivers on their roster, and, and, you know, throw the tight ends in there, it's even larger. But 
I just think he will be the leading receiver on this team. He's the most dynamic talent. He he flashed at another level uh, at times last year, especially when Parker Washington was gone, uh, was done for the season with an injury. You just saw there is another level. I think the coaching staff saw more of it during the spring. You didn't see it in the spring game, but I didn't expect to see it in the spring game. I just think he has another level. And I think he's very close to getting there, and he is going to be a very, very important part of this offense, and I think he's ready for it. So the offense and the team will be best served if he is their leading receiver, and I think he's going to do it. I really feel confident about where he's at, how he's progressed, and what he's shown over the course of you know the last two and a half seasons. I don't know what the right answer to this one is, but if you want to say best served, I would say they'd be best served if Dante Cephas is the leading receiver because we already know what Keandre Lambert-Smith is. If you can get a guy come in from outside and be the top dog, hey, that would mean as good as we think Keandre Lambert-Smith is as the number two to Dante Cephas, that would be even better for the team. But I haven't seen Cephas. I'm not sure what we're getting there. It will be interesting to see. All right, Andy. Fill in the blank time. Here's the fill in the blank question. Penn State will make the playoffs this season if blank. What has to happen? Yeah, that's easy. That's easy. Beat Ohio State and Michigan or beat one of them and win every other game on your schedule. You have to at least be 11 and 1. That's easy. You either have to beat you beat Ohio State and Michigan, you can still lose one game and you're in. You have you beat one of those two, you have to win every other game on your schedule. That's the only way Penn State is making it into the playoffs that I can see in the 14 playoff. That's it. It's pretty simple. Um, it comes back to Michigan and Ohio State. Well, Andy, you know, let me let me rephrase the question then for what I'm looking right. for. Obviously, for any team, what would it take for Maryland to, you know, make the playoffs, win all their games? That's that's the right. answer for anybody. What do they have to do on the field? What has to be the difference? What player has to step up? What does the coaching staff have to do? What is the question mark on the team itself that you would think would be the difference? Now, I would think, to me, it, it's got to be Drew Aller stepping up and being a difference maker because yeah, I'm confident great. the offensive lines there, the running game, the defense. I think there's enough, enough at wide receiver, but Drew Aller has to grow up very quickly. That's what I think they need. What do you yeah, I disagree. Think? I disagree with that. Um, I don't think it, I, I'm not putting it at Drew Aller's doorstep. I think he needs, He's a greenhorn. He's going to need some help. He's going to get it at the running back. I, I, If you're going there, what's the one thing that I'm – I think the wide receiver position has to become an ally of the quarterback. I, I just think they have to find a way – tight ends are included, but I think we know a little bit more about the tight ends and have a little bit more confidence in what they're going to bring to the table. But I just think the wide receiver position has to become a functional, operational – helpful part of the offense for the quarterback to allow him to reach what you're talking about. I don't think he can do it by himself, Jimmy. 
I really don't. I, I think he's going to need these wide receivers to help him. I can't think he, I don't think he can take the game to them. They have to bring the game to him. That's just my opinion. It's not a question, Andy, of him doing it by himself, but I think the other pieces are in place. Are there question marks at wide receiver? Definitely. Definitely. And it's going to be one of those relationships. If it turns out really well where he passes for a lot of yards and that all happens, well, was it the wide receiver stepping up or was it him? But I think what's going to happen and, you know, looking at the schedule and maybe I'm wrong for saying this and we'll jinx things. I see 10, I don't want to say definite wins, but 10, there's 10 wins there. I'm trying to look for the right word, most probably. And there's those two games, Michigan and Ohio State. But there's going to be a point where the quarterback's going to have to step up if they're going to win one of those two games. Drew Aller's going to have to make some plays. And I'm confident the running backs can. I'm confident the defense can. Is the quarterback ready to make those plays yet or not? So uh, let's move on to our next question. All right, I mentioned some of the other uh, position groups. Let's talk about the offensive line. What's your confidence level with them, Andy? Yeah, so this was a, this was a thoughtful question. So I'm going to put a number on it out of 10. Right now with this offensive line, I'm going to give them a 6 out of 10 right now. This time a year ago, it was a 2 or a 3 out of 10. But – this group and several of them are returning that they earn their way up to a, a seven confidence level. So I'm taking one step back right now. This one still has a lot of work to do based on what you saw in the spring and, and they weren't horrible and you didn't have red flags going off in the spring. You could just see they were still building and they were still, still had to do that next level to come together. So that's what they got to do to get back to a seven for me. There's still a lot of work to be done. They have talent. They have more depth. I think they'll get there. But right now, I'm a six, and I'm, it's the center. It's not because I don't think Hunter Norzad's going to be a good center. It's, you know, sort of the intangibles of the leader and the quarterback up front type thing. That has to come together still. That's why, more than anything, I'm taking a step back. Tangwell's coming back from an injury. Norzad missed some time last year. Those are factors, but they have more depth. So those kind of get washed away in my book. So it's just a little nuance and gel for this group to get back to a, a, a seven confidence level on what I see them as. And so right now for me, they're a six and they've got some work to do. They know it. and But they have more tools in their toolkit than they even did a year ago. That's encouraging. Andy, unless you're returning all five starters from a good team, you know, I think that's what a 10 out of 10 would be. And they're certainly not there. But I probably have more confidence in them because, first of all, as far as offensive linemen go, they have a returning star or even superstar with Fashionu. They have so much more depth than they had. I think they have a lot of players with you know, you mentioned Tangwall. I think he has the chance to be really, really good, and we didn't see that last year because of injury. They have that right tackle. Well, if it's not Caden uh, Wallace, it could be Drew Shelton, you know, so there's options. I probably have a little more confidence there than you do. 
All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number two. We've been doing my questions till now. It's time to take listener questions. Quarter number three, we're going to ask Andy with your questions. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Andrew Pichet. This is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we're taking your questions for Andy. At the end of the segment, Andy will pick out a best question. And whoever has the best question, you will win the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com, including their fantastic coffee barbecue rubs. And if you want to send in a question, and we encourage you to do that, make sure you download our app. Keystone Sports, you'll see the Ask Andy button, fill in your question, and who knows, you might be next week's winner. You ready to roll, Andy? Let's do it, Jimmy. I feel like I'm in a, a Groundhog Day because we've been doing this for two segments. But now they're, yeah. now they're your questions, fans. Let's hit them. All right, let's do it. And this is interesting. Somebody thinks a little bit like you do, Andy, and this is Bob from York. This will sound familiar to you, Andy. Because when you answered one of my questions, you went in this direction. Andy, how would you compare Abdul Carter and Micah Parsons at a comparable stage of their careers? Good question. So I I thought it was a bit risky for me to, to put Abdul in the same zip code just by impact and talent. 
Um, the crazy part is if you think about Micah, Micah never played linebacker till he got to Penn State, really. So Abdul Carter's been play, you know, played linebacker in high school and has seat time at the position. I, I still think he's two very large steps short, but last year was just a sort of work in progress flash. And and I'm a hundred percent sure that he developed quicker than the coaching staff and Manny Diaz expected as he got more seat time on the field. Like his jumps week to week were pretty big. Micah kind of had more of an impact right away and then started making jumps in segments of the season that were much bigger. Like he was their leading tackler his first year in a complete timeshare role. So he was in a timeshare role playing half the snaps generally, if you just call it what it was, and he led the team in tackles. That that was hard to see week to week, but at the end of the day, you're like, when he's out, why is he not out there all the time was the question back then. Whereas in this season, you weren't sort of wondering that about Abdul because as the season went on, you saw Carter on the field more and more and more, and his role was expanding. I still think he's got, a couple giant steps to go, but he has a lot of the same qualities. They're just, Mike is a freak and Abdul Carter's a ridiculous talent, but he's not a freak. Mike is a freak. And that's the, that's my basic difference. Mike is a freak. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's get to Stan in Nashville. Um, and he's reacting to my interview with board of trustee member Barry Fenchak. And Stan says, Jim and Andy, I was downright alarmed with your interview with Barry Fenchak. The board appears to have voted on the expansion option without a clear vision and mission and in-depth financial analysis. I find this unconscionable. It sounds like to me that without the complete analysis in hand, the board has decided that renovation must surely save a chunk of money. Having been to Beaver Stadium many many times, I find it woefully lacking a rector set that masquerades as a major college football stadium. What am I missing with the board decision-making process, and is my concern justified? Andy, since I did the interview, <laughs> let me field this one. Because uh, Stan is not the only one who has reacted to the conversation. And I don't know if you heard the interview or not. I did. Um, Barry is the fan check is one of the, well, he's the only guy who voted no to some of this a week ago. It was a $70 million expenditure. That's the lead into this $700 million renovation. And I talked to Barry in between segments and off the air, and I think we both came to the same conclusion, which is the options are to do very little to the stadium, just make it, weatherize it to play a playoff game in December, major renovations, or build a new stadium. Those are the three options. Correct. The fact is, I have no idea which the better option is. And what Stan was referring to, which is a little bit scary, is Barry's reaction as a member of the board was the same way. Hey, wait a minute. You're asking me to say this way, that way, or another way when I haven't been given a lot of the information that I would need to make a smart decision. So, I, you know, Stan, you expressed concern. I second your concern, Stan. 
And it's not me saying this is what they should do. It's just saying I don't think they've done enough homework. Andy, what do you, what's your take on it? So my thought was, first of all, Stan's right in the way he sort of clarified Beaver Stadium as it is right now, sort of a erector set and not up to modern standards. I don't think the thing that grabs me about the interview was this feels like a long-term plan, but it also at the same time, it doesn't seem like it has much thought in terms of, is this the long range plan and what's best, you know, 10 years from now, I don't think that was the thought process. It didn't feel like to me, like it was forward thinking. It feels like to me that they're trying to fix something that has evolved over the last, you know, five to 10 years as mildly problematic, which is, their stadium isn't up to snuff. So I, I I kind of agree that it's like, how can you not there there's no D, so you have A, B, and C, you have no D, but you don't have enough information to answer A, B, or C. Or D should be none of the above and gain more information. And it just seems like this is being pushed into a box instead of being thought out and you know, a decision being reached. It seems like it's being shoved into a box to me and they have to do something. So this is what they're going to do. That's basically it. It, it, do something. It, feels, this is what we're doing. it feels like it was the preconceived notion. We're going to update the stadium and yeah. that that's, and then anything else was just to support that decision. Uh, let's move. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about that issue in, in the coming months. Uh, let's go to Sammy and Tyrone, who says, with the first game against West Virginia at night, the Iowa game in September at home, and Michigan in November, which game should be the whiteout, Andy? And which game do you think will be the whiteout? I think the Michigan game should should be the whiteout. Um, uns- well, obviously, we've discussed we're unsure of the Big Ten stance on the November and how far they're going to push that. And so I'll say Michigan should be, that's, it's like, well, it's a Michigan game. We've done it before. Yeah. It's an advantage. Use it. You're playing Michigan, but my instincts tell me that it's going to be the Iowa game. My gut tells me it's going to be the Iowa game, but I think it should be the Michigan game. My gut kind of tells me the same. It's Iowa that Michigan, there'll still be issues about November that they haven't cleared up. Correct. And will they kind of fix that issue by it's a Fox game, so Fox will put it on at noon. So no one has to put pressure on Michigan to agree to it. And right. as you know, my take on the Big Ten, um, it should be renamed whatever Michigan and Ohio State want conference. And I'm sure they'll be looking out for Michigan's well-being. I just have this funny thing in the back of my head that NBC is going to be covering that West Virginia game, and it's their first Big Ten night game. They will want to make a big deal out of it. I just wonder if NBC might have some influence on this, Andy, and look to make it, um, you know, a whiteout. It's their first game. They could make a very big deal out of it. I wouldn't be stunned by it, but... We shall see. All right, Andy, let's go to Mike in Kingston, who says, like others, I'm excited about this year's team. 
However, I could see this team being better than last year's team and still finishing 10-2 and two, or even 9-3 and three if they have a stumble somewhere. Michigan returns the best quarterback in the conference and arguably the best running backs in the conference. Sorry, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen fans. And Ohio State is still Ohio State. Your thoughts, Andy? Yeah, uh, Mike, you're not wrong. This team could be, should be, uh, and most likely will be better. A, a lot of it, for me, will hinge on the quarterback position um, as to whether overall this team is better. Only, and I'm, I might get beat up for this, they got really, really solid, decent, high-end play out of Clifford from the quarterback position last year. That's all they need with some of the tools that they have this year. Drew Allen doesn't have to, Drew Allen does not have to be the savior of this offense. They have some very, very, very um, good pieces around him, but they just, they could be, they could be nine and three and still be a better team than last year. He's, he is not wrong, but the next, are they better? In other words, are they better? They have to win one of those games, the next level and they have the talent to do it, and a lot of pieces are in place, is to not be 10-2 and two or 9-3 and three and still be a really good football team. They need to be 11-1 and one or, you know, lightning in a bottle, 12-0, and 0, but they need to be 11-1 and one to be a landmark, uh, for it to be a landmark season for Penn State. That's a lot of pressure, but they have a lot of pieces. So it's, it is time, Jimmy. That's all I'm going to say. It is time time with what they have on the table for them to take that next step it doesn't get much better than this the way it looks going in it's hard to imagine it looking much better than this is it jimmy and it's not just one or two or three positions it's a lot andy you've talked about it a lot of times that this team has you know they lost the conference lottery in landing in the toughest division nobody else has to play both a Michigan and an Ohio State every year the same season, and unless you're in the Big Ten East division. And I, I think Mike puts it well. They can be a better team than they were a year ago and still finish 10-2. and two. And as one great coach once said, you are what your record says you are. Yep. And years from now, when people look back at this season, if they see 10-2, and two, that's what they're going to see. They're not going to see, oh, well, they had to play against Michigan and Ohio State, two of the possibly three best teams in the country. So, yes, it it will all come down to winning at least one of those two games. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number three. Come back. Quarter number four, we'll name our winner. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Andrew P. Shea. And this is quarter number four of our show. Andy, before we get back to my questions, Let's talk about the listener questions. Do you have a winner, sir? Good ones this week, but I'm going to go with Bob in York with uh, asking about Micah and Abdul. I thought that was a really good question. It, it is. It's a fascinating question, especially when you, you know, we have the 2020 hindsight to see what Micah Parsons has become. So, you know, that's the advantage here. So to compare them for at the current stage that Abdul Carter is at, it's a whole different question. All right, Andy, let's get to my questions. And I'll make this the two-part question because I uh, i don't want to spend too much time on this part, which is who are your top five Penn State quarterbacks of all time? And the follow-up to that question will be, will Drew Aller be among them when he completes his career? So first, let's get your top five Penn State quarterbacks of all time. And then let me know if you think Drew Aller will uh, be part of that list in a couple years. So my top five are Kerry Collins, Todd Blackledge, Trace McSorley, Chuck Fusina, and Michael Robinson. Those are my top five. And Drew Aller will not be amongst those top five when he completes his career. Oh, very good, Andrew. I'll tell you what, we're very similar. I think it's no doubt Collins and Blackledge. You know, I had trouble with uh, McSorley and Michael Robinson, two of my favorite guys. I had trouble deciding which was which. I would probably have Michael Robinson ahead of Chuck Vecina, although I don't think he gets as much credit as he probably should. I did a look up here. I forgot. He was the Heisman Trophy runner-up. So, Oh, yeah, and he won the Maxwell Award. And Oh, no, no, Michael I Robinson. Throw in- Okay, I want to throw in an honorable mention, so I'm cheating here a little bit. Daryl Clark was another one of my favorites. Yeah, yep, he was. I considered him. Yep, he was. He was one I looked at on my list. I chose Michael it, Robinson over Daryl Clark. 
uh, two good ones. And it's interesting as you go through the Penn State quarterbacks over the years, and if you go way back as an old timer like me, the names from way back, they were just, uh, you know what, don't lose the game kind of quarterbacks. <laughs> and, and that's. And it also tells you how the quarterback position has changed in the game. If you oh, look at massively. the Penn State. Yes. Okay, here's something for you, Andy. Other than injury or mop-up time, how much playing time do you think Bo Prabul is going to get? Yeah, so this one was, uh, other than injury, Yeah, I'd say over the course of a season, 12 games, I came up with an, I'd say, I think he contributes 75 to 100 snaps. I think that's his contribution to this offense beyond mop-up is that James said it himself, right, about the two quarterbacks and them being different. Um, there's, you know, you say that and then you've got to do a little bit different, but, you know, I don't think you can go wrong by using him. They're dynamically different skill sets. Aller's clearly the number one guy. Um, and But you don't want to leave Bo Prabula's contributed skills on the sidelines. That doesn't seem to be the mindset of Mike Yersich and James Franklin. They want to try and integrate a little bit of his skill set into this offense because it's completely different than Drew Aller's. So I go 75 to 100 snaps. Interesting. I'm not sure he'll get that, Andy, in significant snaps because I, I don't doubt James Franklin's intentions right now in May, but I just suspect when the game's on the line or still on the line, he's going to want his best player out there, which, you know, it's it's Drew Aller right now. All right, Andy, here's a fun one. It's the fall, and Andy Shea is in his house watching 10 straight hours of college football, which we know he does. What's your go-to food for that day? Okay, so it's going to start with like a breakfast brunch because you're going to start at noon, right? Like, well, I'm actually going to start at 11 because I'm going to watch an hour of the pregame college football show. So I'm going to start with brunch breakfast. It's going to be eggs over easy, my homemade hash browns, British sausage, and an English muffin. I'm going to have... My snackies are going to be, I'm, I'm a salty guy, so I'm going to go chips and dip. I love chips and dip. Um, give me Martin's. Give me uh, the Weekender, you know, with, you know, Middlesworth. Give me those barbecue chips and dip. I'm, I might have some peanuts to snack on. In the evening, I'm going to go, I want my, I want grilled chicken thighs. I want my spud salad. And I want some. I might have some beans to go along with that. And then in the evening, I'm going to have like a little meat and cheese thing to snack on for the night game. So that's what I'm looking at. What time should I show up at the Shea household? 11. I... And we're staying until <laughs> midnight. We're doing 13 hours, Jimmy. I, I underestimated you at 10 hours. And yes, I'm, I like the salty stuff too more than I should. Middlesworth barbecue. That's the way to go when you you talk barbecue chips. All right, let's get to, uh, let's see, Andy, where do I go? All right, here we go. Give me next year's, meaning 
24, one year from now, uh, the first round, Penn State's first round draft picks. And the bonus question is, give me the following year, Penn State's first round draft picks. So Olu would be a first round pick 100%. Um, I think if he had come out this year, he probably would have been drafted in the first round this year. I, I don't think he was one of the top four in the would have been one of the top four in this deep class at tackle. I think he would have gone in the later of the first round this year. He would have gone 19 to 32. Cause I think the top four tackles were gone by pick 16 for this class. I think Kalen King is the only other candidate. And I mean, geez, Joey Porter jr. He was the first pick of the second round, which is kind of like, he's a first round talent that fell into the second round for no reason. I, I don't know why. Um, and he, he fell to a great spot, but I think, I think Kalen King is more a strong second day candidate for sure. Uh, I, I want this season's going to mean a lot. And if he takes, takes another step forward, like Joey Porter jr. Did in 2021, I think the potential's there for Kalen for 25. That's a little, that's a very interesting question, Jimmy. Um, Abdul Carter looks like he's a first round talent, right? Um, running backs are tricky, right, in the NFL landscape at that position. It, it almost kind of like feels like after this draft that it kind of shifts every couple years. So I'll just say Nick Singleton is a special and gifted talent, and I think he could be a first-round pick. Drew Aller, I'm just going to say he's – I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I need to see more. I mean, he really hasn't played, right? So – I'm going to put him as not eligible. My dark horse in the 25 group is defensive end Deny Dennis Sutton. That showing in the spring game wasn't just a spring game thing. That wasn't an accident. And he's got a lot long way to go, but he's a dark horse potentially that I just wanted to throw out there. Okay. Here's uh, you got most of mine that I put down here. Is it possible Chop Robinson could sneak in this year to the first round? No, I, I, I just don't see, I, I don't see, he's not quite at, he's not enough of a finisher yet. If he becomes a finisher in 2023, he's a pocket impact guy. He gets home some, but he's not a finisher yet. So he's really good. But to be a first round NFL talent, you have to be a surefire finisher, right? To be drafted in the first round at that position. And I, I, I he's not there yet. So that's a good question, though, Jimmy. Really good observation. And I'm, though, going to disagree with you on Drew Aller. I know it's early. I know we got to see more from him. But when I see quarterbacks going so early based on potential, you know, this kid's he's got all the – he's got the size, the arm strength, the, the smarts. The, he's got all of those tools that they look for. And where there's so much value on those things, I think he'll be a first. And he's got such a good team surrounding him that I don't think, you know, like Will Levis, after his first year in Kentucky, they were projecting him as a high first round pick. They did well. They were successful. And he, you know, he fit the mold. A year later, he wasn't as successful at Kentucky. But he was still a pretty high pick, even though not a first-rounder. My point being, Drew Aller has all of those physical tools, 
and he is going to be surrounded by a good team for the next two years. So anyway, uh, let me go. Let me go off of Penn State for a second. Better hire Luke Fickle at Wisconsin or Matt Rule at Nebraska? For me, it's Luke at Wisconsin because he can coach, and not that Rule can't. And but Luke has more pieces to work with right now to have success than Matt Rule has at Nebraska right now. So the better hire right now is uh, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Rule's good at taking something from the ashes and building it. See Temple and Baylor as examples. Um, that's what he's built for. He's more long-term. I think Nebraska made a sh- more shrewd and long-term move, but I think the better hire right now is Fickle because he'll yield more immediate re- results and in sort of the short attention span that we all have now, you know, sort of college football world like it is, he will immediately obviously be viewed as the better hire as well. So it's Luke Fickle for me. That was, it's pretty clear. I agree with you. And I think the fact that he had so many opportunities prior to leave Cincinnati, but this is the job it took. It means he's confident that he could win at Wisconsin. Real fast, Andy, when you see the Penn State offense go into their T formation, do you get excited or bored? No, no, I get get excited. And you know what I get excited about real quick? I get excited about which running back is not going to get the ball and has to throw the lead block. That's what I get excited about because they're they're the lead block. The tight end's throwing the secondary block. The other one gets the ball. That's why I get excited. Andy, I think they're – Everything about that T formation excites me. The things you mentioned, then the fact that the variations they go into it, it's almost like Yursich is toying with the defense, with the different things he can now do out of it. I get excited too, Andy, whenever I see it. All right, Andy, that is it. It was a fun show, some fantastic answers. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.